Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. We bring you articles and podcasts featuring the best in Austin comedy in all its shapes and formats. Started in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. I love Austin comedy so much, and yeah. I believe in it so much, and I just feel like... No, I mean, I don't know. I always love laughing. My dad is a great storyteller, and that's, I think, part of the influence was my father's. He's he's really funny, and he's a brilliant storyteller. I'm, I'm needy. I know I'm needy. <laughs> but, like, I need stand-up. Like, I need people. Like, wow. it's... I cannot imagine not doing this. See, I want the audience to love me, but I don't want to be a clown for them. I want them to love me for uh, my own, uh, for, for what I'm doing on my own terms. People think because you're on stage by yourself, you know, you can be a lone wolf, but it's, it's not like that. You need to absolutely have the respect of your peers. And if you don't have the respect of your peers, it's going to make it real hard for you to even get a foot in the door. This is the first time that I'm, I'm doing this through the live stream. So I'm a little uh, anxious, excited, and uh, I'm going to kind of just uh, jump in with, with my introduction of our guest. But I do want to let anybody know that uh, if you're watching and if you're participating through the Twitch chat or Facebook chat, uh, if you have questions, we will have a Q&A segment towards the end of the show. So uh, uh, post your questions and we'll try to get to them at the end. So I am excited to talk to our guest uh, this evening. He was for a very short period of time, the co-host of Buzzkill at the Buzz Mill uh, uh, comedy venue. Uh, but what took him away was being selected for Boom Chicago, which is a very um, esteemed internship in Amsterdam, even though it's called Boom Chicago. Uh, it, it is an improv institution based in Amsterdam, and it's got such alumni as Seth Meyers, Jordan Peele, and Kay Cannon. Uh, he is the current co-host of a new podcast called A Special Take with Sid and Tyler, where they, much like we will sometimes review albums, they review uh, they review comedy specials, and I've uh, taken a listen, and it's uh, a very, very well-done podcast. Uh, he was a 2018, <sighs> makes me sad to say this, FPIA finalist. If you're in, based in Austin, then you know why it makes me sad to actually say the phrase FPIA. Uh, he's also part of the rap duo Run the Fools. And uh, finally, one of the things that I think he's done exceptionally well during the COVID times is he has uh, taken to his using Instagram videos to uh, post these really cool videos every couple of weeks. And uh, we're going to spend some time talking about those. And towards the end, we'll make sure you know where to follow his Instagram account so that you can see these really, really great uh, short form videos. And now, Comedy Wham presents Tyler Gross. Hey, <laughs> what a great introduction. Valerie, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. I told I you it was going to be it. really long and long-winded. <laughs> I, I, I think it could have went on longer, honestly. I think I, oh, well. Okay. I think I had more compliments. Left some compliments <laughs> on the table. <laughs> JK, it was great. Thank you so much. I was so kind. You're very welcome. Um, so what I like to do with my guests is I have an official icebreaker question. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. On the screen, you see it now. Tell me one word to describe your past. My past? Uh, really good. Really good. good. Yeah, I got, a good, I got a good past. Good family, mom, dad. It was, I had like a, I grew up like the American dream, except I'm black. That's the only thing wrong. <laughs> Everything else was, was picture perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Houston. Okay. Houston, like South, like South of South, like, like in the suburbs, South Houston, mm -hmm. uh, like Clear Lake area. Yeah. Um, you seem like somebody that has always kind of had a performance aspect to you. 
Is that something that am I am I wrong? Or is performance, you know, whether it's, you know, hamming it up in front of mom and dad and the family uh, to, you know, I don't know what, uh, is that something that's, that's always been a part of you? That's a good question. I think I've always been, I've always tried to be funny. I can say that. I've always wanted to be funny. I noticed from a young age that like people that, specifically people that my mom liked and people that my brother liked were funny. And it was, he's my older brother. So I looked up to him and then my mom's my mom. And I was like, I got to be funny because that seems to work for people. And yeah. I, so I've tried to be funny, but like properly like comedy performing, um, I didn't do until after college. Hmm. Okay. So did you, uh, so you went to college. Did you have like a specific career path that you were pursuing? No, not at all. I started college and I just, I, I went to the business school cause my, my brother went to a business school ah. and I didn't, I didn't know. I just knew I needed a degree and my parents were like, you need a degree. And I was like, I'll get a degree. And I picked marketing because uh, Mad Men was real hot at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, Don Draper wears a suit. That seems cool. I don't know. And it was, it was Mad Men and Breaking Bad were hot at the time. And uh-huh. so it was like meth or marketing. So I chose marketing and, uh, then I graduated and somewhere like my senior year of college, I was like, I sh- you should go and you should try comedy. And then. Wait, just like, randomly like that? Well, I've always, I've always been interested in comedy. Yeah. I, I used to watch, is, here, tell me if this is normal. I used to watch a lot of sitcoms as a child. Is that normal? I used to watch like Three's Company, Step by Step. Uh, 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 what, what's that one? Uh, 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 growing pain so oh, yeah. i watched i mean you know cosby so fresh prince sure but I, I watched a lot of like oh i watched like i love lucy when i was five is that normal uh probably not i love lucy but uh it sounds like you had good uh grooming of, of the classics because i mean i love lucy that's you can't touch that that's yeah it, i mean it doesn't hold up i watched <laughs> it's on Hulu. oh really it's on Hulu, yeah, 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 really, that's you know, it's, we, it's, we, cu- it's cute. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, that's, look at that cheeky woman doing things. <laughs> like, what, what is she thinking? The 50s were crazy. Yeah. But um, I, I was actually just, I, I watched an episode this past weekend with my son. He's, you know, he's a teen now. And it was funny. My observation from watching an episode was uh, pacing, you know, everything about our world the pacing is so different it's so much mm-hmm. faster and i and i remember thinking at the end of the episode that this was basically a setup and turn and you would normally see this in the span of 30 seconds and they made 30 minutes to do this setup wow. and turn <laughs> this this was i love lucy yeah yeah what what was the episode what happened to it uh this was the episode where they just had the baby and she's exhausted and falling asleep all the time. So she asks Ricky to bring, get her a, a, a maid. And then it's this whole setup about the, the um, tension between the maid and Lucy. And then at the end, you know, the, uh, Lucy and Ethel and uh, forgot Ethel's husband, they tear up the house thinking that, you know, they've got the maid for one more day and Ricky comes and says, oh, no, I got rid of her like you wanted. So I'm like, this whole setup and then this right. pivot could have happened in, you know, in the, the course of a joke anyway. That happens so much faster. And here it's like, slow, 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 right. slow. <laughs> so it was just very interesting. Even joke-wise, they'll go like five minutes with like one solid punchline. And it's like, yeah. what do y'all think? Hurts. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I get it, Lucy. You have a baby. Make some jokes <laughs> about it. Don't just keep tending your, to your baby. Right? <laughs> but that was, you know, I, I watched an episode with my mom and she was like rolling. It was, uh, she loved it. She was like, oh man, this is great. And I'm like, really? I'm like, you really think this is good? <laughs> she was like oh man it just like it's it's a gener- it's a, it's it's a generational thing yeah yeah for sure okay so you just randomly after you just randomly th- randomly thought i'm gonna do comedy what does that mean for you does that are you you're still in houston at this point uh no this is me i went to a&m texas a&m okay. 
so I was in College Station. I was really, I was getting into podcasts at the time. I really liked comedy. I've always liked stand-ups and I watched sitcoms and I watched SNL, all the, all the things you're supposed to watch as a comedian. Yeah. And I never wanted to do it because I just didn't want to do it. And then I went and saw live stand-up for the first time mm-hmm. at RIP Cap City. Oh. I know, right? Because yeah, yeah. it closed down. That's why we're sad about it. Um, yeah. This COVID thing. Uh, and I went to Cap City, saw a show, and it was Tommy John again, who's, mm-hmm. a, who's a comic. He's really funny. And he just, he killed. And it, I, it was my first time seeing like live stand-up. And it was just a guy on stage talking. <laughs> and it and it seems so simple and it seems yeah. so because it is that's what that's what's so elegant about it is it, it is simple sure and I was like I got okay I gotta try it I gotta try it and uh I started doing improv because I was too afraid to do stand-up hmm. so I got into improv and turned out that was great too we fell in love with that and started doing stand-up here here in town or yeah okay. at, at right. the hideout theater okay and um so glad I went there and uh and I started doing improv and then I eventually got the courage to do some stand-up. And then I was just doing those simultaneously the whole time I was living in Austin yeah. before I left. Uh, the, the improv. So I, I always do this. Anytime somebody is uh, somebody who does multiple arts, the, the stand-up, the improv or the sketch, I always want to talk about, how these two complement each other or three, you know, if somebody's a, a sketch performer too. Um, so with the improv, you didn't want to be the guy on stage. You wanted to be, you wanted to test out the waters with uh, being one of the guys, uh, gals on stage. Um, how did you feel like the improv helped you with stand up and vice versa? It's funny because I've been doing them both so long, like the answer changes as time goes on. I remember initially, improv is all about uh, failure. It's all about like, I mean, they're both, they're both about failure, but improv <laughs> is like, hey, celebrate failing. It's fine. Just do it. Be creative. Try new bold things. If it works, that's awesome. If it doesn't work, we got you. And so yeah. it kind of frees you from telling yourself you shouldn't do something. So, and I really, I, I took that to heart and I really took it into stand up too. So I would do stand up and I would just try some outrageous shit that made sense in my head, but I was just too new. It was too mm-hmm. green. I, it wouldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't make it come out right. Yeah. But I wasn't afraid to try it. And I went up there and I got it. And just the rush from being on stage was enough for me to be like, yeah, it was great. And I think starting off improv really helped my stand up. And then the more I got into stand up, it hurt my improv. What? Because, uh, yeah, because whenever you do stand-up, you, you want to be funny, you want to do the joke, you want to be uh, clever. You don't I thought it was your good. ego. I mean, I, no, I, mean, I guess that, I mean, it is. I mean, I want, I want to be the funny one. It's like, oh, but you're not helping the scene any. Yeah. And then as you go on, you get good enough at both so that you're able to have great jokes and put them into scenes that you're doing with improv, and then you're able to be comfortable on stage enough to maybe go into some territory you're not used to and it works out or it doesn't work out, but you're like, Oh, well, it's fine. I think, I think, I, I think for me, they've both been crucial. And I think, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I have a friend of mine who was in the Austin stand-up scene before I was, and he saw me come up mm-hmm. and he was like, he always says like, you came up really quickly. He like, you got good fast. And I, th- I think it was because I was doing improv and stand-up. I think it was both. Can you do a timestamp for us of when you started improv and then how long you waited to start doing stand-up? I, th- I start, I did, I used to remember the date. I, no, I did, huh. I did improv, like, dude, I think it might've been like <laughs> five years ago, like to the week. Like oh, it was wow. like September. I think it was seventeenth. I think it was September seventeenth. I do so- really good research, and I I'm bringing back to get back for you the crowd, the audience that was here on that night that you first performed. No, wow, kidding. it was like, yeah. I think I think it was That's like crazy. five years. Wow. Uh, for my first improv class, and then my first 
open mic was like I think it was December fifth, okay, of the same year. So it was only like September, October, November, like three, four months in between. Yeah, but you know that's a long time. So I I tend to to uh, be biased towards the whole whole stand up scene. I you know that's what I've seen more of. Uh, tell tell me what the scene was like uh, at that first stand up. Where did um, you do it? Is it that venue still open? <laughs> I don't know if it's, they don't. I don't think they do stand up. That it's is that Austin Java on Parkway. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Is that gone? Yeah it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So it was there. So I guess okay. you know I, the building's still there, but yeah. Um. I remember I got there right when the mic started, which was wrong. You're supposed mm. to go 30 yeah. minutes before so you can sign up. And so I was last on the list and I waited through. My, my friend was with me uh-huh. and I went very last and there was maybe like three people in the audience and I got up there and I did whatever material I had prepared. And I got, I didn't get a laugh, but I got a, huh. and that was all I needed. That was great. I didn't need any more than that. And yeah, then I got off stage and I felt, I was fucking high. I, I felt great. And I was like, I need it. Like I got wine and I was like, oh, like I need this wine because I'm, I'm too up right now. Uh-huh. And then after that, I kept going back to that mic and other mics every week. I did like one a week starting off and I just tried to up it from there. Like one, then two, then I did three, then I did one three days in a row and I was like whoa Tyler you're you're going crazy man (laughs) and um and yeah I just built it up from there yeah when you say you uh you know came in with whatever material you had prepared what was your approach uh to that first stand-up set I don't even know I'm I'm sure it's not that different from my approach now it was it's just like what do you think is funny and get up there and say it what what I there, I had a story about a kid that in like a kid I mean I it's a tough it's it, this is a tough story to make funny because it's a racist story but it's um it, there was this Asian kid that we would hang out with in Boy Scouts growing up and we we his name was Ming Chow that's but that's just what we called him his name was Jonathan and oh. like these the kids were so racist that they were just like hey Ming Chow and he was like. Oh okay yeah it was real bad uh, at the time it was oh man classic comedy back then now uh i have i have to preface it with <laughs> lots of shame and like i've grown since i was 12 i'm better than that kid <laughs> which is true um but uh so that's a hard thing to make funny yeah. but that's what i talked about and uh then i was like okay let's let's go up again I never did that story again, but yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to let go of material. Yeah, and it's sometimes it's really obvious why. Yeah. Um. So one of the things that I mentioned in the intro is you were a 2018 FPIA finalist. Yeah. So in the span of three years, you made it as a finalist. You, if you started in. Uh, basically 2016 yeah so 2016 would have been your first FPIA I assume you did 2016 and 17 FPIAs I only did I didn't do 16 I did 17 oh wow I mean you recognize how unusual that is that yeah it's pretty crazy one year to the next you you you're a finalist how did you do that first year I didn't I didn't I didn't advance and what what expectations did you how did you approach it as far as expectations because you're you know you're newer uh, as a stand-up and well 2016 that first year I heard that it was a I didn't the thing about starting off with stand-up probably in any scene but you know certainly in Austin it's scary because you don't know anybody so the hardest part for me was never getting on stage. It was always before getting on stage. I was just so anxious. So like socially anxious, I didn't know anybody. And I was young. That was like my first, that's the first time I got over that part of myself. But um, it was it was scary. And no one really talks to you and you don't really talk to anybody. And, and it just takes a while to, to get in there. But I heard talk about this thing, FPIA, and I didn't know what it was. And I heard it was a competition and I think I missed the deadline or something. 
And I was, it was just like, hey, uh, who cares? I wasn't going to win anyway because I'm so new. I know I, I knew I was so new. I was going to be like, you know, three, it was January. So it was probably in March. I was like three months in. There's no way. The next year I was like, okay, I'm excited. Uh, I, I knew what bits I wanted to do. I just took my best stuff and got up there. And I mean, I think I, it was on YouTube for a while. I think I just took it down because it was, it was bad. And <laughs> it wasn't too bad, but it was very, it was very like, oh, he's, 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 he's getting somewhere. It, it just wasn't, it wasn't there. Uh-huh. I got some laughs. I personally had a decent set. Uh-huh. Some of my more, I, I was very ambitious. Like some of my writing was very, I was trying to, I was trying to do a thing that was out of my it was too, it was too hard for me to do. I was too, I was just too new. Uh, but then I had some jokes in there that were really funny and that did really well. Uh, what, what do you mean? So first the awareness and recognition that you were trying to do something that was too hard, but mm-hmm. uh, what is it that you were trying to do? If you, if you don't mind sharing. Well, it was more race stuff. You're going to see a pattern. Okay. It was more race stuff, but this time it was about me. It was black stuff. So, which uh-huh. makes it okay. And <laughs> It was, it was something about hate. It was something about hating white people. And I would never do a joke like that now because I just feel like it's, I don't know what, what, what good comes out of that. That's not really my voice anymore, but I I was trying to do this joke about like, Oh, like, man, like, Oh man, of course I hate white people, man. And then it's like, or like I met somebody and then they had a card that was like the white people haters club. Hmm. and it made sense in my head but it just didn't it it, it kind of worked but not really because it was confusing hmm. and i and like i can look back and, and and think of oh i i can see those ideas being funny but i didn't know at the time how much of comedy is set up like you really got to set stuff up you really yeah. got to take the audience on a journey through your mind to get to the punchline. And then I was just like, hey, what about this random thing? And they're like, I don't, I don't know what that is, but uh-huh. we, you seem nice. Like, so, I mean, <laughs> uh, it was just, it was, I was trying to do too much. I was trying to run before I could walk. Yeah. Uh, that said, you have accomplished quite a bit in your short career. Um, so you, you reached the, I mean, how did you feel getting to the finals of, of the the contest the following year i mean it was pretty crazy i knew i had a really good bit Uh that i was really excited to do and i'm happy i didn't choke and i had three good sets that's what i'm happy about each of the sets was really good and and the, the the finals night i went last i went dead last or i'm or second to last and i still had a really good set it's so it's hard to go last because you just saw you know 11 people yeah more or less kill and then i went and i still had a very good set um it was crazy it it was really exciting i'm glad that it it really like brought up my clout in the scene like people were like oh he tyler made it to the finals like that's a big deal like yeah he's cool that he's cool now or whatever (laughs) um and and it made me confident where i was like wow like two years into doing this and I'm in the finals of a local contest. So that's, that's got to mean something for me. It was, it was more of a, Hey, if you keep working at this, you can, you'll, you can get really good at this. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've, that's what I've been doing. Yeah. And man, then, I was re- man, I was ready to do it again this year. I was so <laughs> ready to do it. Oh, it was, I was so ready. Yeah. Yeah. You and about 250 other people. Right. Right. Some, some less qualified. <laughs> I was I was like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back from Amsterdam. No one's gonna see me coming. I'm gonna crush it. I was so excited, but yeah. So I, I, you know, for the last I don't know four or five years, I've been dutifully going to the the FPIA finals night, and I think that was my first time seeing you do stand up. And I was like, where did this kid come from? Because I hadn't seen you uh, do stand up uh, any other uh, other place, and that's just because of my my dumb crazy schedule. And I then I started hearing your name all the time, and I think that was the year that you got named as 
the co-host for for Buzzkill, right? Okay. Or was that the following year? I think it was right soon after. Uh, that Buzzkill probably happened in 2018. Okay, so soon and after. so yeah, that was the same year. And then, yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, you know, this is amazing. He's he's getting this this cool co-hosting opportunity, and then poof. It's like, oh, Tyler's gone. <laughs> so how did this whole boom Chicago? I, I've talked to um, Dave Buckman at mm-hmm. Hideout. And so I know how big a deal boom Chicago is. Um, but how did that come about for you as a, you know, even as a newer improv performer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out Dave Buckman. I mean, he got me the job pretty much. He yeah he uh there was so boom chicago is a comedy theater in amsterdam and they do shows all the time Uh, and it's not like in austin austin has comedy theaters and it's kind of a very big community and everybody comes this is not that this is there's an in-house troupe you kind of can't like local people in amsterdam don't really get it they don't no they understand it but they don't they can't audition there's no auditions typically all the auditions have traditionally been in the states but recently they've been going to london and doing them and uh there's we there were six people that worked there and we did every show so we did shows wednesday through sunday and that was our job that's all we did and so we uh we we had like a main stage show that we did that they were about to start doing a new show uh, and Dave Buckman was going to direct that new show because he used to work there like 10, 15 years ago. And I guess they got in touch and Dave was like, I'd love to do it. And it's like, great. And they needed another actor there. And Dave was like, well, I know this guy, Tyler. And so he just texted me and was like, hey, uh, do you want to go to Amsterdam? <laughs> and I was like, what? And, and he gives me all the information. And I'm like, shit, like I, I've been to Amsterdam before and I'd been to Boom Chicago. And of course, I had heard about Boom Chicago as well. And I was like, yeah, I mean, send him my information. So I sent him a bunch of videos and stuff. And I guess the guy was like, yeah, he's good enough. That's fine. And, <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, so uh, I'll, we'll, uh, yeah, come, come on down in December. So it was like end of November, I got a text. And then like three weeks later, I had wrapped up my lease at my apartment. And I was, uh, and I was on my way to Europe. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> Uh, what what did you what did you learn from that experience of being I, I mean I, who, I I have no idea what the comedy scene what the improv scene I'm, I'm thinking of how Second City in Chicago is like it's a tourist destination right. locals will go but not you know they'll go when they're bringing their out of town guests on cool places to to see or you know watch is is Boom Chicago kind of like that um yeah i think (laughs) i i there are definitely locals that come there's definitely that but there's also there's also plenty of tourists too i would say it's about 50 50 yeah which is pretty good um yeah i mean that was a that was a that was a big year that was a big year it was a long year it was um because it was very hard uh it was like an invaluable experience but it was very difficult because you are away from home you're in another country mm-hmm. everyone speaks english luckily but you don't belong there i mean you can't read the signs uh you 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 figure it out but you know it's hard you're isolated you are only working with like seven people that's your whole community is seven people yeah. like in austin what's so great is there's so many different theaters and so many people different people you can you got your core people but then you can bump in and meet new people or have acquaintances but there was just it was all or nothing there and um and to meet and and to meet other people outside of boom is very hard because you're working nights and weekends and that's when people have off so um it was the, it was it was good year. There was I mean so much stage time, six shows a week. That's that you can't beat that. You can't beat just the reps. You know, I got so much better in that time. I I I not only got better but I, like I learned more about what comedy is, like how it functions, how it works. Like I grew so much in that time as a comic. Is it is it a situation where there is a teaching element that's happening so that you can learn in a traditional 
you know, improv classroom type of thing? Or is it just you're, you're learning by doing exclusively? Le yeah, learning by doing. No, no one, there, there's like, we had like a couple of little things here and there, but it was mostly you're doing a show every night. Let's, let's do it. Let's just keep, keep going. You, there's another show tomorrow. You got to do it. <laughs> you're tired. Well, too, like you got to keep going. Yeah. And, uh, and that was just, I, I, I learned from that to just kind of let them roll off your back and stuff like that. I, I think what I learned most from being about comedy, like capital C comedy or whatever, from, from being in Amsterdam was more me doing stand up to a foreign audience. Hmm. It's really different because if I, I can, it's not even references, but if I like you, you, you're not black, but I am, but you also know enough about what black is to mm -hmm. get my references yeah like I, I i don't have like a great example but it's 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 something so basic like you have to think about what you're saying on such a basic level mm -hmm. that you have you have to deconstruct the whole thing and if you deconstruct comedy down to that level then you're gonna grow you're gonna be, become a better writer like yeah. I'm trying to think. I like I would get like okay. So the joke that I I I got to the finals of FBIA with right, it was a joke where I I I I was talking about being with a bully. There was a guy bullying me, and he and I and he I was, I was like, hey, I heard you've been talking shit about me. Keep my name out your mouth, right? Uh -huh. And and the whole bit hinges on keep my name out your mouth. I don't know if they know what that means. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So I get there and I'm like, hey, keep my name out your mouth. Do y'all even know what that means? Do y'all get that that's like a thing that people, I'm sure you can understand, but like, does that resonate with it? It doesn't mean what it means to us. It means something completely different to them. And yeah. you have to like consider that every word you say is being hit by ears that may not know what you're talking about. I would, I would try to do jokes like, man, like, let, let's say I try to do a joke like, man, black people are like this and white people are like that. And they're like, we're not white, we're Dutch. How do you overcome that? <laughs> yeah. That's some, that's uh, really hard to do. It took yeah. me basically the whole year to fig, to, to have any sort of idea of how to figure that out. Yeah, that, that's, uh, I, I can appreciate that from the fact that with, with uh, our, <laughs> Our oh, yeah, showcase I don't, show. I don't know how interesting this is. It's very interesting to no. me. I don't yes. know how interesting it is to talk well, about. Well, this is this is part of you know this whole podcast. The doing this interview is we drill down into things that are Great. probably only interesting to us, and we hope that one or two people will listen. That's that's the goal. No. Um, when with doing the showcase show, we've we've been lucky enough to to somehow magically get connected to international comics, mm -hmm. and some of them I I totally get, and I and I we made a conscious decision that while it is amazing that we can be connected to international comics, we wouldn't want to do a showcase that has all ten spots with international comics because there is something that doesn't connect in the same way and it's not good or bad it's just there is something different and you're right there's you'd have to deconstruct there's there's one of the comics that i remember that was on and the the comedy was so deconstructed that i'm like oh this plays well mm -hmm. no matter where but others you know it it took like a different level of understanding and so i totally appreciate what you were going through right and it's, if, if, it's hard if, to articulate too i i can go i got an, i got a deeper example if you want to go even <laughs> deeper in the weeds let's do I it love, let's do it i love talking about it okay so i <laughs> so i got i by the end of the, my time there i got my i got this joke down that it that where it was about um shoot how did it go it, it was it was about how i was like the dutch people are so nice to me I thought they were going to be racist, but they're so nice to me. They treat me kindly. They're so nice. They welcome me in their home. They hate Moroccans. That's what I say, right? Because <laughs> they don't like Moroccans. They, uh -huh. There's lots of Moroccans there. They don't like them. And I went on to say, like, uh, they hate Moroccans 
Um, and I don't like racism, but I love fitting in. So I had to learn to hate Moroccans, right? Which is like, a, it's silly. And then you go, and I, and I kind of go on from there. And it worked really well. Then I come to America to do that joke. And I was actually in Chicago at the time. And I was doing these jokes in front of a Chicago audience, which is probably a little bit more PC than Austin. And they didn't like it. They didn't like the joke Uh because they don't, they couldn't, they didn't understand the relationship between Moroccans and Dutch people, obviously. But you, but you, but even hearing that, it's like, yeah, but you understand racism and you understand that uh, they probably don't like other people. Yeah. But what they, but what all these Chicago crowd heard was like, man, I don't like racism, but I like fitting in. So now I hate Moroccans. And they're like, oh, so now Tyler's racist? This guy sucks. Yeah. Like he, they don't get that, that it's fun, right? Sure. <laughs> they, don't, <laughs> they don't get that racism fun because they're like stupid, right? So that's not what I mean. I just mean like they don't get that. It's not as funny to them. So what I did was I shifted it where I was like, I shifted it from now I'm racist towards Moroccans to I'm in a real pickle because I want to be normal, but I kind of have to be racist and I don't know what to do. And just that attitude shift made the bit work. And that's, I can't do that for every bit, but for that one bit, I figured out how to play it with two different audiences. Yeah. And I'm really proud of it because- it's 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 very subtle yeah and it's fun when you when you realize oh i gotta i gotta do this little slight turn or or i just gotta reword it a little bit that totally changes the meaning Mm -hmm. and then you probably as as you know the person who's been working on this for so long uh get super excited about how this totally transformed a joke yeah so you you finished up with your boom Chicago, um, mm-hmm. and where you decided to come back to Austin, which I I found surprising. I was like, oh my god, you know, unlimited uh, potential with having done boom Chicago, but you decided to come back to Austin. Why? Well, I was like I said, it was a hard year, and by the time I was done, I was ready to just like relax. And I wanted to come back to Austin to relax, to be with family, to be with friends. I had, I, I, I was coming back to a girlfriend. So I moved in with her and um, I just wanted to like hang out for six months and then go to, and then go to New York or LA, do okay. something like that. And then, uh, and then, you, you know, COVID happens and then you yeah. stick around for longer. Yeah. So, so my, my plan really was like, okay, I, I, I can't go back to Austin and just, live there and be satisfied because I've seen other things. So I need to move on to the next thing, Mm -hmm. but I also just want to take a break. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a grueling year. And I was like, let me just relax, do some local Austin comedy, low stakes. Let me go in FPIA, knock that out. Boom. Let me, uh, (laughs) there was something else I wanted to do. Oh, I wanted to take like a film making class. Okay. I know that I never got around to, uh, but because of COVID, I wanted to do it in person. And I, so I had a couple of things I wanted to do before I left Austin Mm -hmm. and then I, you know, and then COVID happens and I'm like, there's not really a reason to go to a comedy city to do comedy if you can't do comedy. So I'll just stay here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That actually gets me. That's a, you just did a beautiful setup for the the next, (laughs) next thing I want to cover. And that is, you know, now, because so much time has passed since we've been, been in, under lockdown, that now I get to have a conversation about, well, what have you been doing? Right. And one of the things that I have loved about what you've been doing is these Instagram videos. And before we get too deep into them, I actually want to, I we've got queued up two of them. And hopefully uh, the voice of God, Richard, is ready to tee up the first video, which came out, uh, I think about March 17th. So we've got that queued up. Let's play it. Oh. I wonder what you're thinking about. What's going on in your little head? (laughs) Oh. Just, I mean, you know, <laughs> okay. it's all about, it's all about, it's all about smart writing. 
It's really yeah. about like trying to touch on what society's feeling and, and, uh-huh. and be a part of that conversation. <laughs> well, it's just downright silly to me, <laughs> to be honest. So now let's play the second video, which is this one is, I think if you scroll back, it's only the second one back. So this is a more recent one. So Richard, uh, cue up video number two on Tyler's Instagram. Um, can I get one coffee, please? Black guy in my coffee shop. Hello? Hello, is this the police? You could say that. Okay, well, there's a black man that just came into the coffee shop. Please help. Uh-oh. This will be a tough one. I gotta protect my fellow black man. But I gotta stay undercover. I got it. Excuse me, miss. I'm on my way. (laughs) Here goes nothing. Where'd the cop go? Hey, where can a black man get some coffee in this motherfucker? Come on, now. Another one. Hey, come on, now. I'm just looking for some beans, baby. Looking for some coffee in this bitch. Come on. Who got the beans, man? Buy any beans necessary. Malcolm X, man. Come on. Where's it at? <laughs> get out of here while you can, nigga. Who, me? I'm doing this for you. Okay. I'll distract. Protect us, police. Protect us. Excuse me, sir. Someone got beans? Oh. Whoa, did he just hit himself in the face? Oh, I, I don't mean no trouble, man. Come on, I don't mean no Shut trouble. Shut your mouth. Oh. Oh. Wait, and he's a cop now. There he is. I'ma ask you once nicely. I'ma ask you once meanly. Leave this shop now. Coffee oh. shop and cause some trouble. Come here. Yeah. How you like that, boy? It's different, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what I really, uh, I guess, having picked, I was obviously intentional, picking something from very early. Uh, in, in the lockdown to what your videos uh, explore now. And it's just like, I mean, if I, as I was watching that second video, it was like, now having talked to you, it's like, this is the story of Tyler. It's like this really fast progression. And you start off with kind of one little area or one, one, one idea. But then as you get comfortable, you realize, oh, there's so much more that I can do with this medium. And now you, you, you've covered race issues, you've covered um, gay LGBTQ issues. There's, you know, there's so much more of a dimension to your Instagram videos now. Was that, I mean, did you intend that or is it just, that's just what happened over the course of these six months? Well, first of all, thank you. You make it sound so important. <laughs> <laughs> You make it sound so so something like that. It's like, man, I'm just farting out videos on man. Um, no, I think it just kind of happens. I think that I think that's how I think. And it, you know, it's funny. I it it just kind of happens. So I I think I think how it how it goes down is is the same between the both videos, like. I thought it'd be funny to think, what's a dog thinking? And the dog's like, touch my dick. And I'm like, hey, 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 hey. And I'm like, let's just do it. And then actually the, the, the undercover black man, the idea, the, the, that, that's a second in the series. <laughs> the second of two, really. Um, the first one was an undercover black man. And then I was like, there's a second. And I did a second one. I, mean, I knew I wanted to do more than one. Uh-huh. And, um, and actually, you know, Jared McCorkle, fr- friend of the show, Jared McCorkle, he 
gave me the idea of like, what if there was a cop that had to beat himself up because he's black? And I'm like, oh man, that would go really great with my undercover black man idea. And then I just kind of extrapolated from there. So the the gist of all my videos, there's some core funny thing I want to get out. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it is just like trying to make it fun, really. Yeah. That's really what it is. And yeah, it's like, so like the, there was, there's videos where I'm like, oh, what if, you know, I'm like, like there's one video somewhere in the middle between both of those videos, which was like, what if, like, like everyone sees homeless people and we all do this thing with our hands where we're like, oh, I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's pretty much your miming, but like, what if, I just combined miming and homelessness and I made like this funny little homeless mime video. And there's always a core funny thing I want to hit on. But I think just how my brain works is I typically think about race stuff or social issues stuff. And if I find something funny in there, I'm like, oh, let me try to like cram it into video form. Yeah. So I think as I, I think as I got more, comfortable with filming and with editing i'm really into i really like editing i I like it to look cool i like i like directing it Mm -hmm. and and make and making it making what i'm thinking real uh the more i got comfortable figuring out those two those different aspects and honing maybe maybe like what what honing what's starting to be a voice maybe um it was it was just like yeah that's just kind of what started coming out yeah I want to circle back to something that we kind of touched on with the whole boom Chicago experience where you have to kind of break things down uh, so that they're uh, not basic, but that they're uh, attainable by anybody who's watching it. And one of the things that I, I've always appreciated about them is that they're very simple. And even as they've gotten a lot more elaborate, like this one just showcased the multiple cuts you made, the multiple characters that you had, um, even in, in some of the other videos where you're conveying a female, mm-hmm. you know, you keep it simple. You just drape something over your head. You don't try to do the full makeup or, you know, something that's outrageous. You, you really do keep it basic so that you can, the, somebody watching can focus on what's the message. Yeah. Um, your, yeah. your, your backgrounds being like mo- mostly plain white backgrounds, you know, again, focus you focus the watcher on the message and whether all of that is intended or it's just stuff that I've picked up on. I think that does lend to the voice that you you've started to, to form. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that's interesting. Cause I, you know, like sometimes I will, if I'm playing like my girlfriend, it will be just me with a shirt on my head to be hair. Yeah. But then if I'm playing a white woman, I'm going all out. I'm going to, I'm going to get the makeup. I'm getting the wig. I'm doing the whole thing because I, and I, and I think you're right. It's because I, I want it. I want the funny, I want the funniness of the white woman to be kind of like me dressed as a white woman. Like that's funny. Mm -hmm. And then just like my impression of some Karen, Karen white woman. (laughs) But then if it's my girlfriend, I want it to just be like, yeah, it's just, this is just a man and a woman. There's no, yeah. we're, there's no extra commentary on top. It's just like, I need, I need, it needs to be a woman. And so I'll be a woman and I'll do the least amount so you can be a woman. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah. so you will register in your mind, woman, the, right. the different gender. I don't want it to be extra like, oh, so all women wear lots of makeup. I don't want any of that. It's just, look, that's a girl and that's a guy and that's all you need to know. Yeah. Um, and I think with the, the walls thing, I have a very small apartment and I, can't, I, I, don't have, <laughs> I don't have many places to go. But what I will say is I think what makes them funny, I think something that adds to it is that uh, I, I like to I like to think that they're well I, I do them as well as I can I like to think that they're well made but they're also well made with like no production value so what makes it fun is like you kind of get caught up in the characters but then you see my couch so it's this juxtaposition of like I like an undercover black man but Tyler's kitchen is right there <laughs> there's something funny about that that makes it it makes it high and low at the same time. Yeah. 
thing. And I, and I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, I, I think that I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah. How, how far in advance do you have these planned out? Or is it one of those things where you're such a, a creative mind that, you know, you know that it's been a week, week and a half and it's time for another one. And so you, you just, you know, whip it together. It's funny how you it's funny how you described laziness as a <laughs> mind. Um I've lately I've been very mad at myself cuz I'm pretty I've 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 been pretty dried up. Mm. Um cuz it cuz it's just you, you, there's no new input during quarantine. You're just stuck in the same thing over and over again and uh it, may, it kind of makes it hard to to spark up something fresh. You really have to put in a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. But basically um, and and lately, my ideas have been so um, so concept heavy mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's just like, Tyro, this is going to take hours to do. This is going to take hours to edit, and I don't want to do that all the time. Uh-huh. So it just takes a long time. Yeah. But um, it, pretty much, I just do them as they come. And that's why they've gotten more and more spread out. At first I was doing them like, I was, for that first month I did them for like every other day. I came out with one. Yeah. And then since then they've gotten more concept heavy and I've just gotten less ideas. So they've kind of spread out. Yeah. Um, but I want to, I want to keep, I want to keep doing them. Um, once. Yeah. It's kind of know. that that learning by doing. I mean, you, you talked about wanting to take a film class and you're learning by doing the concepts of, of creating film in yeah. short form. Yeah, for sure. I think there's something to it. I, th- I mean, I started off doing improv and stand-up, and if you want to be, you know, Dave Chappelle, then then go to an open mic and be Dave Chappelle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to wait for someone to say, like, can you come be funny on stage? Just go find time to be funny on stage. Yeah. If you want to be a filmmaker, go make a film. Go, even if it's an Instagram 60 seconds or less, like just do it in the small scale. And at least what's happened in my life so far is that people will ask you to do it on larger and larger scales, mm-hmm. which is really awesome. It's, it's nice to know that uh, that can happen if you just stick to something and, and you know, cross your fingers, you're good at it. Right, right. How has, um, you, it sounds like at some point Austin is going to lose you to one of the coasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has it been with this sudden stop of work to stay uh, stay on this mission that you know that your talents and skills can be better utilized um, in either LA or New York, but then we've got this complete stoppage of things i mean it sucks but it sucks for everybody so it's the the thing the thing it's it's changed as things have opened up more and more but um no one wants to feel fomo that's the thing no one wants to feel no one wants to feel like they're missing out on anything so because everyone's locked down it's like it's not it's not so bad for me of course i miss it and i I, I'm, I've tried to keep growing. That's why I started doing these videos. I want to keep honing that thing. And I think I have. I, I think I've, like I said, I think that those videos have helped me hone a certain part of my voice, which I think is really valuable. And I don't know, I don't know how long it would have taken me to get there with stand-up alone. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think it, it sucks, obviously. I wish I could be building like that next part of my career in one of the coasts but you know you can only control what you can control and i'm really happy with what i've done this year even though i've been locked up yeah yeah done videos i i, I wrote a script probably not going to go anywhere but i wrote it you know I, I wrote i wrote it and i uh there was like you know some packets flying around for like you know different late night shows and i sent those in and they all said no thank you but i wrote some packets that's cool. Hey, that is cool. So it it feels like even though it's stagnant, it is there is progress. Yeah, which um feels good. It just, it hasn't led to money, but it feels good. So <laughs> one step at a time. You must love it then, because if you're willing to you know suffer uh, 
the lack of money for the thing that you love, then that's, you know, you must really, really love it. Yeah, for sure. I don't know what else. I don't know. This It's all I want. I, yeah. What else would I do? I don't want to do anything but be the best comedian I can be. So yeah. if, if I can't do stand-up, then I'll be the best comedian I can be in another way. Yeah. What do you want to do in either LA or New York? Are you, uh, are you thinking uh, the sketch stand-up? Because I, I know what New York you know, it's it's a mix of the writing for the late nights shows or, right. you know, the, the uh, ultimate Saturday Night Live. Right. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't, it, it's, it's very presumptuous to <laughs> think you'll get any of that. Yeah. I think ultimately I just want to be a really a great stand-up. And I also want to do other things too. Yeah. So like great stand-up and have that give me options to write on a top, like to write on a TV show or to uh, sure be on SNL. Why not? Or uh, act on a TV show, act on a sitcom, act on a movie or do voice work. Like, like I, I want comedy to open up those things, but I still want my main thing to be stand up. And, and you can see so many stand ups that are like this. You can look at John Mulaney, you can look at Trevor Noah, you can look at Aziz Ansari, these people who like stand up is their main gig, but they're, you know, they're out there doing other things. Right. Well, you just cued me. I was about to say, let's go into the Q and a, but you mentioned Trevor Noah and I wanted to give a shout out to your new podcast, uh, special take with Sid and, and Tyler. And I listened to your episode about Trevor's uh, special. I also listened to the one, um, where you talked about uh, Hannah Gadsby's second special. And I like the podcast that's you're, you're, I mean, you're both obviously right there. I don't know of any other podcasts that reviews comedy specials. So especially as comics, that's the thing. Cause most people are like, man, that was funny. (laughs) That's all they can say. But like, at least we have some, you know, we have some experience ourselves. We're not, we're not where they are. Yeah. We don't we don't have a Netflix special, but you know, we try and we, we'll yeah. get there. But even with that, you don't take yourself too seriously, you know, you you give honest critiques yeah. and, and feedback on it. I Man, definitely... wouldn't it wouldn't it suck if that bit us in the ass? Wouldn't it suck if <laughs> wouldn't it suck if Trevor Noah was like, Oh yeah, oh this motherfucker, he wants to ride on my show. Well, how about you stop talking shit on a podcast? <laughs> making fun of my accent. We didn't make fun of his accent. <laughs> We kind of did. It was a bit. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we'll have to, I don't know, scrub mention that we talked about it. You know, you don't want to promote it now, right? Because you, you're afraid it gets in the wrong hands. No, <laughs> you, you, you do what you got to do. Uh, all right. Well, I've been uh, looking off to the side to see if anybody has submitted any uh, questions Uh-oh. for you to answer as we kind of shift towards the, the end. And uh, looks like we have a resounding zero questions for you, Fair Tyler. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll keep an eye off to the side to see if anybody does uh, submit one. Um, okay, so I guess what have we what have we not talked about that you would like people to know about Tyler Gross? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. I think I think everything that I'm doing right now is, is has been talked about. Doing the podcast. And doing, trying to, trying to keep putting on Instagram videos. So I think that's it. And, and, you know, once standup starts opening up, I'll start doing more of that. Yeah. Let's imagine that tomorrow everything opens up a hundred percent. There is no COVID. We're all healthy. Okay. There's no risk of transmission. It's uh, everything can be as, you know, as, as it was as closely to what it was. What is the number one thing comedy wise that you want to do? Oh, uh, just uh, just a set, just stand up. I just want to do some stand up. I mean, listen, there are two open mics in town going on. In town or yeah. on the perimeters of town? No, well, in like where? downtown Austin. Where? Uh, I know one of them is Opa's. Maybe I okay. shouldn't say this to to out the because they're probably it's probably not legal. So maybe. <laughs> well, if it's done safely, it, it, well, and it I didn't guess, seem safe. Okay. Didn't seem safe to me. But okay, all right. Uh, but uh, Opa's in another place. I okay. forget. I, I didn't know the name of the other place. But there's two going on. Okay. Um, so and I've thought about going to those, but uh, maybe one day. Yeah. Okay. We did get a question in. 
Hey. All right. So this is from Laura. Would you suggest trying stand up before improv or vice versa? I mean, for me, it works so great doing improv before stand up, but uh, man, during COVID times, I don't, I don't even know if it matters. Um, yeah, I'd say there's no reason. Stand up's really accessible, so you can just go do stand up. Yeah, and improv is typically you take a class. So, um, if if you don't have any problems going to do stand up, go do stand up right now. I mean, you know, not right now, but go yeah. do stand up as soon as you can. Uh, and if you wanna, if you want something safer, do improv, and if you want do something more dangerous and quicker, then do stand up. Yeah. But I th- I think. But if, if yeah, be like me, do improv and then stand up. <laughs> yeah, it worked for you. It worked for me. All right, I cannot read. Oh, okay, <laughs> I, know, I know who this is. Uh, this is somebody named Travis. And his question is, who or what inspired you to do comedy? And if this person had been paying attention at the early part, they would know this. Yeah, right. Tommy John again. <laughs> I went and saw him at Cap City and he killed. <laughs> And then everybody else, motherfucker. Well, also, you know what? Pete Holmes. I'll say Pete Holmes. Ah. He has a podcast. Mm-hmm. I got really into his podcast in college. I, he All he did was talk about comedy. I found it so interesting. And that's kind of what really made me be like, I got I to gotta try this. Yeah. Well, Tyler, I'm deeply, deeply disappointed and hurt that, you know, you've been doing comedy as long as Comedy Wham Presents has been doing its podcast. And you have not mentioned listening to my podcast a single time uh so you know i'll get over it again i'll get i'll get on it i'll get on i'm gonna listen to this episode i'll listen to this <laughs> this is interesting i'm gonna <laughs> i'll listen back again i think you should <laughs> and i'll ch- and i'll check out other things you got There's, is there a comedy wham podcast or is it just your podcast yes no i mean no it's the comedy wham the podcast. Okay. we've talked to hundreds of comics local national yeah Absolutely. Well, then, yeah, of course I'll check it out. You might have a favorite comic comic that we've talked to. I hope so. I'll look into it. Anybody listening? Uh, Let's see. Oh, we got another question. Okay. What is the most ambitious video you want to shoot but haven't tackled yet? Um, You know, I'll I'll say this. I just shot a video and I have it done, but I want to change it um, to make it hopefully... It's really dark. It's just, I, I thought it was going to be funnier, but it's just really dark. It's about, basically it's, it's, um, it's, there's, there's, there's it's me and it's, uh, I'm reading an article about a guy who doesn't believe in COVID and then his wife dies, uh, from COVID. And that version of me is like, Hey, fuck that guy. What an idiot. Ah, ha, ha. And then you cut to the guy losing his wife and it's just very dark and gritty uh-huh. And it's it, the the jokes. It's funny, but it's not. I wanted to try to make it funnier, um, but yeah. th- there's nothing really I haven't I've thought of, and I'm like, it's, I'm like, don't fly too close to the sun, Tyler. You can't <laughs> handle it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can handle just about anything at this yeah, point. Fingers crossed. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm too. I'm too. I'm. I'm, not, I'm too not famous to get canceled. So I mean, this is the time <laughs> to try. That's I did true. a blackface video for God's sake. <laughs> did you see that one? Um, I I'm not remembering it, but yeah. I I mean I definitely removed it. I definitely removed it, but okay. <laughs> <There> we <go>. <laughs> <laughs> it was well received, and I was like, all right. And then George Floyd happened, and I was like, no. That. There you go. All right. And we're back. And we're back. So uh, we're in the home stretch now, and uh, I like to close these out with uh, my closing question. Tyler, tell us one word to describe your future. Successful. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Uh, yes, let's make sure that happens. Please. When, when the, the, the clouds part and we can all you know, go and watch live, live comedy again somewhere. Uh, that is a, an unknown at this point in, in Austin. Uh, yes. Besides, besides those two clubs, besides those two, uh, those two restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, Opus, that... Opus on Tuesdays, in case anyone's listening. Opus on Tuesdays. Okay. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham! Uh, Online presents uh, Tyler Gross. We hope you've enjoyed learning about how Tyler got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have. Tell us where we can find you on social media and let us know about upcoming projects, Tyler. Um, just check out my podcast, The Special Take, on your podcast, wherever you find podcasts, TJ Gross, G-R-O-C-E, on Instagram. Um, you can go on, I th- I'm going to try to put, I need to start putting some of those videos on YouTube. Go on YouTube, just type in Tyler Gross, and um, that's what I'm doing for the time being. Okay, very good. And look for the article about Tyler and the podcast episode to be released on ComedyWham.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, everything, everything, everything. And listen to past interviews, Tyler. I will. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me on, Valerie. I really appreciate it. And that you you were like waiting for me and and working around my schedule. So that's awesome. Really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. (laughs) And a huge thank you to Richard Goodwin for recording and making the technology possible to do this caveat asterisk and thanks to matt farley of motor and media for the music that you heard up top uh, this has been comedy wham presents online with tyler gross i'm valerie and that's been funny thank you tyler thank you